0: fact that i'm signing up to do like 5,000 k's and it's about oh, it's about the adventure but oh how much weight am i gonna lose on this and i came off that bike ride at the end of it yeah i'd well, i'd lost a bit of weight but i came off it going no no there's there's more to life like i need to recognize that i've just had this amazing achievement it's not oh i've lost 20 pounds from like this mammoth bike ride, it's like I've basically found myself on this bike ride and and it, was, and it was basically at that point that I started following some body positive blogs and I went and it was almost as if there was this aha moment that went, it's okay to not hate your body. And it was just like, what? Is this a thing? Like I'm 36 years old and I've pretty much kind of hated my body for most of my life is this actually am i allowed to not hate it and i'm not saying i love it but i certainly don't hate it anymore and that was just an amazing aha moment for me and so the more i can share that with others the the, the more fulfilling my life is too
1: hey what's up this is cat welcome to the joyride
0: Hey, what's up, joyriders?
1: This is Kat, and you're listening to episode number 35 of the Joyride Podcast, where we celebrate women on bikes. On this episode, I chat with adventurous Aussie badass, Rochelle Olson. We talk about plus size adventure, body positivity, escaping your comfort zone, the great divide, and of course, snacks. Friends, I absolutely adore Rochelle and the work she's doing. These are the words of Lauren Beckett, life coach at Drop the Struggle. Rochelle is on a mission to create opportunities for plus-size women to come together in a safe, judgment-free environment. She wants to show all of us that we are capable of so much more than we imagine, and that physical pursuits aren't just for the thin. It's a world-changing concept. Joyriders, I'm so stoked to share this conversation with you that we are going to get right into it. Make sure you check out the show notes at thejoyridepodcast.com forward slash zero three five. And please comment or tag Rochelle and I it's at Rochelle Rides and at the joyride podcast in your Instagram story and say hi, especially if you are an adventurous plus size gal. We would love to hear from you. OK, y'all, the time is upon us. I cannot wait to introduce you to Rochelle Olson. Rochelle Olsen, welcome to the Joyride.
0: Hey, Kat, how's things? Oh my goodness, it's
1: sunny for like five minutes here in Portland at the end of January, so it's exciting. I feel like I should be running outside to soak up the vitamin D. Um, How (laughs) how are things with you?
0: Well, you probably don't want to know that it's 9am in the morning and it's uh, coming up to probably about 110 degrees today. It was over that yesterday, and so I've got the air conditioner cranking, and it's sweltering outside.
1: Oh my goodness! Uh, <laughs> Michelle, tell tell us where in the world are you?
0: I'm in Australia, and I'm down by the beach, which is about an hour and a half south of Melbourne, which is down uh, near Bell's Beach. If uh, if anyone knows where that is.
1: So, um. Friends, this is like time travel because it's Sunday afternoon here on the West Coast in the US, but it's Monday morning for Rochelle. And I didn't understand. I mean, I know, I have no comprehension really of how large Australia is. Like, I know it sort of a little bit, but I don't really know because I've never experienced it. And so, time zone math was fun, and we're totally time traveling right now. It's
0: amazing. Well, welcome to the future. Welcome to the future. The future's future. great. <laughs>
1: so, so Rochelle, I'm so excited to talk with you. I I um have been taking a look at your blog, and you describe yourself as an adult onset athlete. Tell me, <laughs> tell me a little bit. That's where I want to go. Tell me a little bit about what that means to you.
0: Wow, that that's really funny because that's that's kind of a term I, I kind of put on myself, maybe about mm. Eight years ago, I think, yeah, I was 30, and um, after spending uh, most of my 20s kind of in Melbourne as well as in London, drinking my way through life um, and basically having fun um, in that kind of way, I kind of came home to Melbourne and got myself into triathlons via a very random way, and it was just like, oh... So this is what it's all about. Oh wow! So uh, yeah, I call myself an adult onset athlete just because yeah, I'm 30 and I finally actually discovered what training is and what 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 it means to kind of go out and do triathlons and ride long distances and and have that kind of fun as opposed to the getting drunk fun of my 20s.
1: How does one randomly find their way into a triathlon?
0: um mm. <laughs> so let's try not to make this the long story that is so basically i had signed up to go to africa and climb mount kilimanjaro i had like you do. done as you do as, as you, you, do. you do right right um a couple of years before that i'd i'd climbed um up to mount everest base camp and loved slashed hated it but but memories gave me the love and I'm like, okay, let's do Mount Kilimanjaro this time. And I did all the training and I was really well trained for it. And two days before I left, I ended up, um, very sick with a very fat head, um, with what ended up being the mumps, which I'd caught from the vaccination, which before anyone gets a bit, uh, hairy about that, it's really, really rare, but I caught it from the vaccination and, uh, I was in hospital for a week and had to cancel everything. And I suddenly realized that I had all this fitness and nothing to do with it. Um, so there was a pink triathlon, which is a um, a very low-key women's triathlon to encourage women to get into it. Um, the swim was in a pool. It was a really easy bike and run course. So I, I went, well, I'm fit. Let's do something. So that's what I did. And then there was a massive snowball effect and – about 20 triathlons later, here I am.
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. So when was when did you do the first one?
0: Oh, I knew you were going to ask me that question. I'm terrible with dates <laughs> and years and I'm things gonna... like that. So we're talking maybe, I think it was about seven years ago. Wow. Yeah.
1: That's fantastic. Um, you, you've you done so much really cool stuff that I want to know a lot about. <laughs> I mean, like, because you're all you, – you do – a little bit of everything this is not just cycling but obviously you're a climber you do stand-up paddleboarding, all kinds of stuff um is that tell me about escaping your comfort zone is that kind of where how did these things go together
0: right so I've always been the kind of person that kind of just I've always had an adventurous spirit and I even from a young age when I was 21 I went I'm going to South America, and I went to South America, and I'm like, oh, when you're in South America, you, um, you do the Inca Trail. All right, I'm going to do that, and didn't actually know much about it, and went, ah, oh, I'll work it out on the way, and that's been a lot of, a lot of life. Like a friend of mine said to me when she wanted to do Everest Base Camp, and I'm like, yeah, right, let's do it. Didn't actually think about it, and then obviously then had to research and and go and do it, and. But I've never been kind of scared of a challenge. Um, and the opportunities, the things that I've done in life, I've also done a whole lot of scuba diving um, probably over, I think I've done over 400 dives. And what I realised is that there's a whole world out there that I
1: love. <laughs> my, dog, my dog just became of the whole world. He became aware of the whole world that's out there. Sorry, folks.
0: Yes, it's the whole world. There's a whole um, world. <laughs> a whole new... No, I'm not going to sing for you. Um, but there's this whole world out there. And people used to say to me, oh, you're so brave. And you're so, like, you're so focused and everything. And I'm like, I'm not brave. I just love getting outside, but I realize that there's a lot of people out there that, uh, have this kind of fear within themselves of getting outdoors because who am I going to do it with? Am mm. I fit enough for it? Do mm. I look the part? Um, oh, I'm not going to fit in. And I realized that it's like, well, I can be a cheerleader for those those people, to get them outdoors and just show them the world that I live in. So what I did, um, so it was about 18 months ago, um, I quit my corporate job. Um, I was a business analyst in telecommunications for many, many years, and I started up Escaping Your Comfort Zone. Um, And Escaping Your Comfort Zone is primarily um, a body-positive hiking and adventure group. Uh, based here in Australia, and we're primarily aimed at plus size women. So what I've tried to do is create a tribe of women who um, support each other, are totally non-judgmental, and basically it's there's, there's no focus on weight loss, no focus on fitness. It's just 100% fun outside with friends, generally new friends. And so I started that here in Victoria about uh, 18 months ago. And now we've got uh, over 800 members in our Facebook group. Um, and we've had over 260 people come and join us on a, on a hike or an adventure. We do stand-up paddle, mostly hiking, but it's stand-up paddle boarding as well. We do a bit of kayaking um, and a whole lot of other cool weekends away. And basically my role is just to be cheerleader for, for women to get outside. And it is awesome. I, just from my perspective, I used to be in a very, very well-paid job and I thought life was about making lots of money and go, using that money to go on awesome adventures. Now I make very, very little money, but I've found my purpose in life because I get, I get so much more out of people – coming out and saying, oh, I'm 46 years old. Never in 46 years did I ever think I would stand on the top of a mountain. And I'm just like, yes, yes, this is what this is all about. Like I realize now what purpose is. So yeah, that's escaping your comfort zone.
1: I can't even tell you how much I love that.
0: Did we just let that rest <laughs> for a second? That's so fucking
1: awesome. That's so cool. Um, wow. Over 800 members in a year and a half how fantastic that's great yeah
0: and and the thing that i find as well is is of those 800 there's still there's still at least well there's still more than half of them that haven't come to a hike yet Mm. but there's i know a lot of them are are just watching from the sidelines waiting for their time to be ready because i do we do recognize that regardless of of who you are um your shape, size, anything, um, it's always an an anxiety thing to come along to a group the first time. It's scary. It's scary for me and I've done lots of stuff like this. Um, So it's just getting getting those people comfortable enough to just come along to that first one. And once they come to their first one, it's like, oh, yes, like these people, like these are good people and there's no judgment and I feel comfortable here. Um, And they keep coming back, which is great.
1: What's it like to see first timers um, show up and, you know, be in this body positive adventure space with other women? Can you describe that?
0: Ah, it's just, um, it's, it's really amazing to see um, someone who comes along the first time. So say, for instance, a lot of people, if they're, they're shy or anxious, they'll either be very, very quiet or very, very chatty, that's what I notice. Mm. Um, and you can even see from the start of a hike to the end of the hike, just the relaxation. It's like there's no one here because we we basically um, walk at the pace of the slowest person um, and, and that's basically our rule across the board. Um, and people will, because we don't actually advertise how long Our hikes are generally because i'll just say it's one and a half to two hours because the minute i say it's five or six kilometers people will say oh i can't do that and for most people regardless of their level of fitness to be able to walk for about an hour and a half on a a flashish trail and chat and stop and drink and take photos it's totally doable and quite often at the end i'll go oh good job girls we did six k's and the look on some of the faces like seriously i've never walked like more than two k's before i could never do that i'm like well you just did and they're just like oh really and i'm like yes And it's just like oh and just the sense of achievement that you can you see and and be part of but just seeing them relax throughout the walk and like because it's just it's basically just moving your feet and chatting with people that's really all it is and just going that's an amazing view or uh, is there any koalas in this tree or look check out the kangaroos and the wallabies. And yes, we see kangaroos and koalas and things like that on a lot of our hikes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, you know that I just had to be like, Oh, wallabies. You <laughs> like I just, I, I literally was just like, Oh, that's fantastic. Kangaroos and wallabies. Um, it was like, you could read my mind there. Um, <laughs> curious uh, with, I'm wondering if you find it challenging at all um, to keep the group focused on fun versus having talk go to weight loss and mm. fitness, or what? How, mm. how, how do you negotiate that?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a big one. Um, and that's one of the things that we um, – basically, when you join the group – um, it's it's made clear that basically we don't have many rules, but one of our rules is no diet talk. We don't. There's so many areas mm. of life where it's just filled with diet talk and food and good and bad and naughty and should and shouldn't. And I want to make this environment an area that's safe from that. But I do also recognise that for many. For many of us, particularly women, um, we have diet talk has been, and the idea of diets is part of our lives, of every day of of our lives generally. And trying to move away from that is is kind of a bit of a challenge because it's just a, a general conversation. the The biggest one I find is the the conversation that goes, ah. Oh, I'm going to have a hot chocolate because I deserve it because I've just done a 5K walk. And and that just naturally comes out of many people's mouths and has done through a lot of my life as well. And that's where you kind of – and that's where I – generally when I'm there, it's like, no, you're having a cho- hot chocolate because you want a hot chocolate. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. You had a great walk and now you're having a hot chocolate that's they're not related we're just enjoying it and I try and kind of keep keep just putting those kind of ideas in into people's heads and we're it's not like we're on a walk and someone brings up that they're not eating sugar or something at the moment and I come around and go we don't talk about diets no it's nothing like that but it's just um if I'm leading a hike or any one of my other volunteers is leading a hike it's just there's, there's a few techniques for just, just steering the subject away from, from that kind of stuff. And there's a whole lot of different subjects that we can talk about, and, and that's really good. But in saying that, I mean, it, it sometimes does come up, but we just try and steer it away.
1: It is so much part of our lives, especially if you're someone mm. who's lived in a larger body for any period of time. It, it's almost like we're um, given to have our intake on display, um, you know, if you're, at yeah. the, if you're at the market or, you know, out with friends, there's sort of always this, this idea, um, just as women, that you should be paying attention to a particular mindset or plan or something.
0: Exactly, exactly. And actually on that topic, one of the things that um, I often do is for, for some of our longer hikes that might be um, a couple of hours drive away, um, what I generally do is it's a we do a bring a plate lunch. And people will often say, oh, well, what kind of food do I bring? I'm like, anything that fits on a plate, you can bring. Um, and it ends up being this wonderful hot pot of you might have a plate of fruit and then you have cheese and dips and then you have – um, one of the girls does caramel, which I dip everything into, and then you have a plate of lollies, and then you might have some cake, and and it's just this whole hodgepodge. And it's a real, it's a really beautiful way to just appreciate food for what it is. And it's it's really good to see the change in people because some people go in and go, oh, I'm just going to have the the. Um, I'm just going to eat the vegetables, and I'm going, and I'm not going to have that chocolate cake because that's naughty. And just the conversations around around food that change, and people just start talking about this amazing chocolate cake and how it makes them, how how it feels on their tongue, and we talk about experiences, and then then the people who wouldn't usually go for the chocolate cake, it's like, oh, and they they give themselves permission, and seeing them give themselves permission, and it's just a social thing. It's nothing about the food. It's just a social thing of sharing, um, and that's a really, really um, positive um, kind of experience that we we often do, which I really enjoy doing, and it's amazing food generally.
1: <laughs> this so resonates with me. Um, I I'm someone who found cycling. Basically, well, for several reasons, but it was a huge part of a a gigantic weight loss process for me Um, Mm -hmm. over 120 pounds entirely in my life from my heaviest weight when I was 20, 21. And I wouldn't say that a lot of that has been, um, you know, I'm so glad that I've done that work, but I wouldn't say body positivity was ever something that was in my vernacular um -hmm. you know it was something that was it changed my life but it wasn't always very loving uh so i really Mm -hmm. appreciate what you're doing and um the fact that it it is focused on on fun and on movement and just on experiencing life because ultimately that's the entire point of wanting to become more fit and so there's just this de facto in my mind this de facto thing of Well, folks are getting that a little bit, whether they want it or not. But what they're really doing is, um, you know, increasing their social fitness and their, you know, some other things along with it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, and what comes out for, um, we've had quite a number of girls, they were the ones who started when we first started 18 months ago and started with hikes. And then they meet other people who are like-minded and they go off and they've been, Um, training with some running groups and they've been signing up for triathlons and it's just and it's become this progress of you meet like-minded people and you start moving for fun and you are moving in a way that makes you want to move more. Um, So I talk about that this isn't about fitness but for so many people a whole lot of fitness comes out of it because I don't know about you but the more I move the more I want to move.
1: Yeah, I do think that it, it is a thing that feeds itself.
0: Yeah, definitely. This self-reinforced cycle. Yeah. And I mean, a little bit like you, I mean, I really only jumped on the body positive bandwagon myself about two years ago. I mean, despite the fact that I've had all these amazing adventures, ultimately, I've never particularly liked my body. Um, for majority of my life, regardless of what size, at my smallest or at my biggest. Um, and it wasn't until, and even um, I when I did the uh, Great Divide mountain bike route from um, Banff down to um, Mexico, the part of the impetus of signing up for that was, okay, this is going to be an amazing adventure, da, 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 but just think how much weight am I going to lose on this? And I'm like, that is screwed up. The fact that I'm signing up to do like 5,000 k's and it's about, oh, it's about the adventure, but oh, how much weight am I going to lose on this? And I came off that bike ride at the end of it. Yeah, I'd, well, I'd lost a bit of weight, but I came off it going, no, no, there's there's more to life. Like, I need to recognise that I've just had this amazing achievement. It's not, oh, uh, I've lost 20 pounds from like this mammoth bike ride, it's like I've basically found myself on this bike ride and and it, was, and it was basically at that point that I started following some body positive blogs and I went and it was almost as if there was this aha moment that went, it's okay to not hate your body. And it was just like, what? Is this a thing? Like I'm 36 years old and I've pretty much kind of hated my body for most of my life is this actually am I allowed to not hate it and I'm not saying I love it but I certainly don't hate it anymore and that was just an amazing aha moment for me and so the more I can share that with others the the, the more fulfilling my life is too
1: I just want to clap <laughs> I, re- <laughs> I really do I really do because that, that's that's so that's so amazing and it's such a gift to give to people like I you know I end the show with life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage because I really do believe that and I think that um when you can see what you're capable of um it it just it, your your mind and your world really opens. Yeah. So Rochelle, you've done a whole bunch of traveling and you just dropped a little like, oh yeah, you know, when I did like that whole great divide mountain bike. uh, uh, Can you, can you give us a little, like a little taste, a little sampler platter of some of the, your rides that you've been on and then, you know, we'll kind of dig into a couple of them. What have you, where have you been? What have you done?
0: Um... So I really only started the um, the bike touring thing about three years ago. Um, I did a, a few little kind of four-day rail trail type stuff um, near home in Victoria just as a bit of kind of a lead-up. Um, I did a four-day around around one of the mountains up here um, in preparation for my, my partner at the time and I decided that we needed to change our lives, mix it up a bit um, and... We needed to do something that was different. So we, we rented out the house and sold a car and we ended up um, getting a one-way ticket to Vancouver um, in Canada and with our bikes and our panniers um, with the intention of doing the Great Divide mountain bike route, which is a route that goes from um, Banff um, in Canada down to um, Mexico on the New Mexico border. Um, place called Antelope Wells and so that route is the world's longest mountain bike route Um, so I'm sure many of your listeners have probably heard of it there's a um, there's a race that goes there every year in June called the Tour Divide Um, the hardcore um, people that win that generally do it in about I think about 13 or 14 days maybe even less and we we'd aim to do it in about two and a half months um so we as a warm-up we rode from uh whistler um where we'd been hanging out for a couple of weeks doing some downhill stuff we rode from whistler across the trans canada to Banff, which was 900 kilometers and it was the longest that i'd ever done on a bike and uh and it was supposed to be kind of an introduction and um I thought I was going to die, <laughs> um, but you kind of get into a rhythm, and uh, and we made it to Banff which was the start. And I was just like, and I think we took about two weeks to get there, and um, then we we hit the trail. So, um, the Divide is uh, I think there's 22 crossings of the Continental Divide, um, which involves quite a lot of mountain-type uh, riding, and it is mostly off-road. Um, I think – I can't remember the percentages off the top of my head, but I think it's about 85% dirt, um, many of them fire trails or logging trails or dirt roads, um, with very little um, on the main road on, – on kind of bitumen roads, which was great. Um, but it meant that we'd go for up to four days at a time where we wouldn't see a town. Or a or, or a village, um, so we'd have to be carrying four days worth of food. Um, most of the time, we had um, well, actually, every day we had we were able to get water at least once a day. The longest stretch between water was about seventy miles, um, which was a massive day because I mean you're fully loaded and you're going through some rough stuff. So it's not like seventy miles on the uh, on the bitumen, but there was some. Epic, epic, epic climbs. Um, And I did things that I never ever thought that would be possible. And it's funny, I'd pretty much given myself, um, I'd given myself kind of two weeks before I'd probably quit. (laughs) And I I, I later found out um, that back home, some people had given me a week because I was doing it with my, my ex partner and he was basically a superstar athlete so he he could do all this kind of stuff with his eyes closed whereas me it was it was a much bigger challenge so um so yeah but suffice to say I made it down to I got about halfway we got down to Steamboat Springs in Colorado um and that was about 10 weeks in and I finally for the last two weeks, I'd been threatening to go to Napa. I had friends who lived in Napa, and I'd been thinking of wine and <laughs> and chilling out. And after ten weeks, I said to him, "I'm like, nah, done. I am cooked. I'm going to Napa." And um, and he's like, "All right, that's okay." Like you, but I was beside myself. I was just like. I'm so rubbish, I'm quitting, and I can't believe I'm quitting this before the end and everything. He's turning, he's like, you've been on the bike going up and down hills for 10 weeks. And I was just like, yeah, but I'm, I'm a failure and da-da-da, I'm quitting. And, um, and it was so hard to, to kind of get my head around that I was quitting this and not finishing it off. But it ended up just being awesome. Like he finished it off. I caught the train over to Napa, I drank wine for two weeks and um, and then he caught the bus back up to Napa and then we rode from San Fran down, down number one, the Big Sur, all that which was stunning and then down across the border into Tijuana and down to Cabo, um, at which point I'd done just under 5,000 k's and then I, at which point I was... Cooked, absolutely cooked, and I'm like, I gotta go home. And he's like, I'm not ready to go home yet. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not telling you to come home. I'm just going home. So I went home, and he then finished to the bottom of Patagonia, down to the bottom of South America, and I did not regret going home at all. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that was my that was my big one. That was my 5,000 k. So that was the big one that kind of kicked it off. Um. And made me realize how absolutely freaking amazing bike touring is pretty much. Um, So, yeah, and then since that, so that was 2015, 2016, I did a few little ones near home. And then 2017, uh, last year I um, set off basically my only plan was to fly – from Australia to Germany to Munich with my bike and fly home six weeks later. And that was basically my only plan, so um, I put the bike together and then pretty much just rode. I spent a lot of time in the the German, Austrian, Italian Alps um, just going, oh, that trail looks fun. I'm going down there. And it was by myself and the freedom of cycling by yourself. And I know a lot of your listeners will understand this as well as a lot of your other guests being by yourself and just going, I'm going here and it doesn't matter where I get to. I've got my tent. We can work it out. Oh, it's wonderful. Wonderful. Um, So, yeah, so that was my last big tour um, this year. And, again, I'm, I've still been doing a couple of overnighters and things like that around here. And um, and this year something will happen in our winter. I don't know what that will be, whether it will be back in Europe or back to the States. I'm not sure, but it will be something. Mm. And that's, that's that's me for bike tearing.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, just just a little bit. How did, uh, I'm curious, how did your packing change at all? Like, did your packing change also, comma, how did your packing change, if so, from, like, the the beginning of, before you even got to Banff to, you know, post-NAPA?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, it actually changed fundamentally because, to start with, um, we quickly realized that, well, we already knew that I was going to be a whole lot slower than my partner at the time, and once we got started on the hills and the mountains, it was it was made very clear that I was a whole lot slower. So um, what we did was he actually carried probably eighty percent of our stuff. So he had a backpack and an extra an extra bag and so on and so forth. Um, whereas I just basically carried my clothes and my shoes in my panniers, So when I say I was fully loaded, I didn't have much. Um, so that was really good for me. But one after Napa, um, he, obviously I'd been on the bike for a significant amount of time and we were going to be now on the bitumen. So he's like – he kind of half-cracked it and went, right, you're carrying your own stuff now. I'm sick of carrying your stuff. Um so I was actually carrying all my stuff, um, and but you actually realise that after ten weeks on the bike, you actually realise you don't need, you don't really need many clothes. You're gonna be stinky and feral anyway, so one cha- like whatever you're wearing and a change of clothes and something warm and that's basically it. So I went really quite minimal there, um, just because. Yeah, I was kind of – I was like, well, I'm, anything I'm pa- carrying, I have to be pushing up hills. So, um, so yeah, that, that changed a lot. But it meant that I had more stuff because I was carrying more of the, the camping gear and everything at that point, but I had a whole lot less of the all the extra bits. Um, but I will say on, um, on the Europe um, one that I did last year, I ended up um, – I think because it was just me and I knew that it didn't really matter how far I went each day, whether I did 20Ks or whether I did 90Ks, um, I could choose. So I had a few extra, like I carried a dress and I carried, I actually carried a, um, one of those little Halinox fold-up chairs, which is, can I just say, if you're going to have any kind of like luxury on a bike tour. These tiny little chairs. It's like a camp chair, but on a mini scale. Absolutely unbelievable.
1: (laughs) Sister, I would high five you right now. I'm not even kidding you. This is like, that's totally the thing. That's the luxury thing that I bring. Although I don't have a fancy, one of the fancy ones. Um, It's more of one of these stadium seats. So I'd like to upgrade to something nicer. But yeah, I was just thinking that. I was fixing a flat before our phone call yeah be- before this chat and I was like I kill me if I have to do this on the side of the road like you know what I mean like sitting without a chair because I'm, I'm just like not going to be sitting on the ground for that whole thing so yeah no No. Yeah. anyway so yeah I love it I love that you're like that that's a it's a piece of comfort gear but I think it's so crucial when you get to camp like to be able to like sit back lean back er, you know or yes you know it's a good time.
0: I'm all for that and actually funnily enough so it's like the Helinox chair but we have a um we had a dis- we have a discount store over here called Aldi which is a european based one and they basically have the same so the Helinox chairs i think they're like 120 bucks or something they have the exact same one that comes from the same factory the same weight everything for like 30 bucks i was just like right give me two because even if i blow one up It's still going to be cheaper than the real thing. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, Rochelle, if
1: your bike had a superpower, what would it be?
0: If my bike had a superpower.
1: Or if your bike gives you a superpower, what
0: would it be? uh, I tell you what, it's it's just, and it's any bike, but it's the freedom. There is – and I – I try and tell people this, there is nothing beats the feeling of rolling into a campsite knowing you have everything you need to set up your house for the evening and eat all your food for the evening just there on your bike. Like that freedom and then rolling away the next morning with packing everything up and going, yep, it's all here and it's just and. It's just such a freedom. It's ah, uh, I just uh, and that's that's that fi- that's the feeling that I want to impress on people is that that freedom. And for so many, so many people get daunted by bike touring because you hear about so many of the bike tourists that you hear about, and I, I laugh. I wrote a blog about this that you'd roll into camp, and uh, this is in Europe, and you meet other bike tourists, and they go oh, where have you come from today? And you go, oh, such and such a town. And it's like, oh, how many Ks away is that? And it's like, oh, I don't know, 60, whatever. It's like, what's your average Ks? And I'm just like, well, anywhere between 20 and 90. And they're like, you don't seriously just do 20 Ks a day? I'm like, why not? I'm on holiday. And they'd be like, oh, right. Oh, well, I'm generally, my average is about 120. And it's like, this this it's almost like an ego thing and it's like just because you're a bike tourer doesn't mean you have to go a long way and that's what I'm trying to educate people on as well is like you go as far as you want you can go and do a bike tour which is 20 k's away like and camp overnight and then ride 20 k's home like it's actually you're still touring (laughs) like it's just you you're probably enjoying it a bit more because you're you're seeing more things (laughs) um so yeah but um that's a bit of a that's a bit of a, a contentious issue for me and a high horse that I like to sit on is like you don't have to be, pull big k's um so yeah but the, just that freedom of rolling into a campsite on my bike ah, oh, it's beautiful
1: so is there a way that you're using the escaping your comfort zone to to help impress that
0: I am actually and funnily enough, um, so for me escaping your comfort zone has generally been about hiking and adventures and I've I've kept the biking stuff very separate Um, and the reason for that is I've still got to separate work and um, my own own, like alone time type thing. So biking's been kind of my personal thing um, and I've kind of wanted to keep that Um, Keep it separate. But I have – I did come – after coming back from Europe, um, I've had a lot of people say to me, oh, I wish I could do that kind of thing, but I could never do that. And it got me thinking. It's like there's – if anyone out there, if you can ride a bike, you can do a bike tour. You can do an overnighter. Like it it doesn't matter. And so I I had to think about, like, how do I do this? So I've actually um, later – where are I? So it must be. I feel like we're in February already. But um, so yeah, in in four weeks' time, um, I'm actually running my first um, bike touring for beginners um, overnighter um, weekend, which is basically a um, a thirty k bike ride, um, and we we stop it. we we're, we're stopping at a local golf club for some lunch, and um, we're just basically meandering our way along a rail trail and. We're riding into a cute little coastal town called Queenscliff, which has happened to be where I grew up, little beachy town with a campsite, and we're all going to set up camp and sit around a campfire and eat pizza and enjoy the fact that we just rolled into this place under our own steam with all of our gear, and we're going to camp, and then the next day we're going to ride back again. And it's as simple as that. Like all you need to be able to do is ride 30Ks, each day for two days um and i'm helping everyone out with like panniers and um and bags and things like that and if people don't have like small tents or whatever we've got a support car so if you've still got the the big heavy tent that doesn't matter with it um we'll put that in the support car because you still get the experience regardless um and just to to introduce people to how easy it is that's basically all i want to do
1: what an excellent gateway drug! Like, like you, oh, is your tent too big? We'll carry it for you. You just need to ride yeah. this much. You, we could totally do this.
0: Yeah, super
1: yeah. cool. Yeah so, yeah. so, so that's one that you have planned. Are you? You're going to do other ones this year?
0: Yes, I'm planning on. Um, I'm actually. This week is my settling down and working out dates and adventures and everything for this year. For for escaping your comfort zone um and so yeah i'll be mapping out probably another one before our winter and then some more um probably in springtime so our springtime is like october um so so yeah so i'm really excited about that and i'm just so excited to share like i get so much joy from this myself so i'm just really excited to share that joy
1: so cool um, tell me a little bit. Uh, what kind of bike snacks do you like? What do you like to uh, eat while you're on the road, or what do you like to camp with? What's your what do you what do you got there?
0: Um. So if I if I think about the um, the Europe trip, um, there basically on the road I've generally got. the the standard stuff like a trail mix, trail mix has to have chocolate in it. Can I just say that? Um, And even when it's hot, it's actually really cool because the chocolate melts and you get these clusters of trail mix and it's just like people pay a lot of money for this stuff and it's just (laughs) clustered up and, oh, it's so good. So um, trail mix, I've generally got – uh, kind of sultanas and raisins on the go, um, muesli bars of any description, they're always a go-to. Um, I actually also um, eat a lot of baby food, which sounds a bit random, but um, you can now get the – well, you have been done for a few years. Um, you can get the squeezy tubes of baby food, and I, I keep it basic like apple or apple and pear or something like that, and that's really great for um, – for a nice energy boost and it's kind of refreshing particularly when it's um when it's warm outside um crackers um the other the other go-to for generally for lunches is um like there's i don't know whether you guys have it in the states i can't remember whether i saw it there but um oh you do actually um it's a, a little soft cheese called uh laughing cow cheese mm. and despite the fact that you get it in the fridge it doesn't need to be kept refrigerated mm. um good to know the other <laughs> yeah the other good thing um that i pretty much lived on in the, in the states in the for lunches was um tortillas with hummus so any kind of hummus that doesn't matter like you you get some of the different flavored ones, but again, hummus. You buy it in the fridge, but it doesn't need to be refrigerated, um, so that's fine for hot days as well. And so, generally, we've always got a couple of tubs of, of the hummus in our in our panniers for lunches, and um, and f- <laughs> dinners was generally. And you guys nail it over there. The instant mashed potato <laughs> that you guys have. So in Australia, we it's it's a really crappy one and there's nothing in it it's just a plain potato over there you get like fully loaded and bacon bits and cheese and everything and we're just like we've died and gone to heaven my first ever
1: bike overnight that's what i ate i'm not kidding you because i was like i know i can boil water and i could just eat a ton of like mashed potato flakes yeah Yeah. it was like cheesy i think i had like cheesy mashed potatoes for yeah
0: (laughs) exactly so when when i've when we've toured um basically we've only ever carried a jet boil which boils water so i don't tour with um like pots and pans or or anything like that so i kind of keep it simple so either eat cold stuff or something that you can Um, Cook with just the hot water. And the other good thing with that one was so what we'd do is we'd make the instant mashed potato and then we'd throw in a tin of chilli of some description into it. So the mashed potato was hot. It would heat up the chilli enough to make the whole meal kind of warm and then you'd just shovel it into your mouth because guaranteed um, at the end of a long day anything tastes good.
1: For real. I have to tell you that it's like it's so true. There's there's just like a big pile of food. It's gonna be amazing. It's yes. just gonna be amazing. And if you've if you've never been on a bike overnight or like bike camping and you're like, I don't know about instant mashed potatoes and a tin of chili, no. I see it. <laughs> I see how that would be delicious. Although I do I'm a hot sauce kind of a gal. I like some spicy food, so I need to bring some hot sauce with me actually I bring uh, chili flake with me in my, that's in my yep. kitchen kit. So,
0: Oh, I love, I love a bit of extra spice. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah,
0: I agree. And the other, the other go to is couscous with tuna. So that's always a very good mm. because I'm, I'm not, I don't have the energy or the inclination to sit around and cook a meal for an hour at the end of a day. No, thank you. No, just, Whatever it is, make sure it's quick and I can get it in my belly quickly. That's all.
1: (laughs) I do think that that's really important because, like, that's actually the place where I personally kind of lose my mind the most. If I'm, because I just, I want to get the tent set up. I want to get everything set up. But if Mm you just landed, you definitely need to eat something. So negotiating those things and keeping your blood sugar at the appropriate level so you don't get hangry at something oh. not working, it's key. It's key. I think that that's a place. Honestly, like it's a place where I think self care really shines, and you're just allowed to and you're supposed to because you can't function without it.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Although I, there was one, there was one night that, um, where was I? I was in Italy or Germany, somewhere, and um, it would have been a really, really stupidly hot day, and I'd gotten into camp. And it was so hot and all I wanted, all I needed was sugar and cold drinks. And luckily there was a supermarket around the corner. So I'm like, all right, quickly get the tent up so I can get my spot. I got the tent up. I broke two tent poles, lost my bananas because I was just like I hadn't had sugar. I just needed, needed, drink and everything and I was just lost it anyway went to the supermarket around the corner thank goodness it was so close and I literally you can just imagine it so I'm in there and I'm like two liters of cold orange juice um a liter of chocolate milk a liter of coke um and then just basically all these deli meats and all this bread and everything and I get back and I'm like Right, and I nailed the orange juice and then the chocolate milk. I'm like, yeah, and then the Coke. And then I'm like, yeah, go to eat. And then I suddenly went, oh, orange juice, chocolate milk, and Coke. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. and all i could do at that point was just go to sleep because otherwise i was gonna vomit and all this beautiful food sitting there and i'm just like i can't do it and i was just like because i just like i'd gotten past that point of no return and i just had no control i just shoved everything in
1: <laughs> i mean this is the thing like we do not we should not be going on bike tours to lose weight um we should be eating you need to eat oh, like that's just why, eat yeah just eat yeah. it's like that's why not. That's why you're going on a bike tour, but it's a bonus. Just friggin' eat. It's good for you, you oh, need it to continue. What did exactly. you do? Um, what did you do after you broke tent poles? Ugh. <laughs> how did you get, did you like sleep in a mopey tent? How did you get out of that?
0: I did. I slept in a mopey tent <laughs> for about four or five nights. One of which was a big storm. And I'm like, Oh, this is not going to work. Um, and then I went and then I decided I was going to send my tent home because I couldn't get the new poles um, in Europe. So I thought I'll send my tent home and buy another tent. I went to the shop to that I wanted to get this tent from. They didn't have it. And I was just like, right, there's got to be a way. And it was like I got my, like, MacGyver on and I'm like, there's got to be a way around this. And I sat there and literally nutted it out. And I actually worked out a way using, like, the – fixing sleeves or whatever which i didn't think were going to work initially because they were um the poles were broken at the junctions um but i managed to work and then that then it worked and i was just like i did all this by myself no one else this was me oh i was so excited that's awesome how did (laughs) you so then it was fine
1: how did you figure out the sleeves like what did you use for that macgyver macgyver rochelle um
0: (laughs) <laughs> well, no, the, I, I did have – so in my little spares pack, I had two sleeves. Ah. Um, so, yeah, so it basically just meant um, – because you know how the tent poles have got their elastic strapping through the center? Mm-hmm. I basically cut them out of that and, and replaced the corner ones with some intact um, center ones. And then the corner ones then became my center ones and with a bit of duct tape and a bit of, um, and the sleeve, it was a bit of a pain to put up every night, but Hey, it worked.
1: Yeah. I need a dry erase board to follow that, but I, you know, it sounds like you (laughs) you were really able to sort that out, which is amazing. Isn't it amazing? Like what you can do when you don't really have a choice and you're not distracted by all of the crap going on around you. You could just focus. It's pretty cool.
0: Exactly, exactly. Because the bit on the on the big one when I was in the the states, I I had my partner there, so he anything like that, like oh you're a, you're a boy, you go fix that. Like just I don't even need to think about this. But then suddenly I'm like, all right, I'm doing this solo, and yeah, there's things that I'm going to need to sort out. Okay, cool, yep, let's get this done. <laughs>
1: um, Rochelle, we talked before, you know, sort of as as we were like warming up a little bit about some differences between cycle touring in Australia versus in the States. Um, Mm -hmm. what, what stands out to you most notably from that? Um,
0: yeah, it was, um, the, there's certainly the attitudes. Well, I actually, one thing I did find, and you might find this a little bit surprising was the fact that um, I found the motorists that I did come across in the States were much more considerate to riders on the roads than they are here in Australia. Hmm. Um, in Australia, we're pretty well known for being highly intolerant of cyclists. Um, and and from my experience here, I mean, I, I haven't had any terrible experiences. I have had a few dicey ones Um, but I also know of a lot of people who have had some pretty terrible ones here. Um, and the, the thing as well, that particularly people, people from here who've never been to the States and kind of all you see about America is, is, is whatever you see on the news, um they said oh it must be really dangerous cycling over there and oh how many um, dodgy situations did you come up with and 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 weird people and things like that and we're just like um zero the people were wonderful like we we had so many amazing experiences like we actually wrote a blog about the kindness of strangers the the people opening their homes to us as to smelly, sweaty, disgusting Aussie bike tourists, um, people who open their homes up to us, the guy who pulls alongside us going, where are you guys going? And we're like, ah, uh, yes, yeah, south. And he's just like, you're crazy. I've just been to the market. I've got nothing for you. But here, take this bunch of carrots. And I bought a thing of, like, um, homemade salsa. Here, take that too. And, like, that made my day. Like, fresh carrots? awesome (laughs) um and just the the people were just absolutely amazing but yeah the consideration of um, of road users over there was um definitely improvement um on Australia the other thing that really um we we kind of found it just a little bit funny because we'd never been exposed to this before but um we'd because obviously we were riding through bi- um, bear country and taking all the standard bear precautions and and hanging our food and carrying bear spray and things like that. And we'd come across these, um, like, hunters, because generally they're the only other ones out there. And they'd be like, are you guys packing? And I'm like, yeah, I packed my panniers this morning, and Shane would, like, just nudge me and go, shut up, he means a gun. And I'm like, oh. And we're like, no, we've got bear spray. And they're just like, there's no way bear spray is stopping a grizzly out here. You should have a gun. And we're just like, and, and it was, and they'd be like, but we don't understand what, why don't you have a gun? And we came across other bike tourists, like, um, who were doing the same route that were traveling with guns. And we're just like, cause in Australia, I mean, times have changed over the years, but, um, guns just aren't really a thing like very i probably know two people um amongst all of my friends and acquaintances who have guns and that's generally because they're either hunters or they they're on farms um so guns aren't a thing here so the whole the whole concept of i can't believe you're traveling without a gun was just like I can't believe you're traveling with a gun. It was, it was very, very bizarre. Um, and we stayed at a, with a warm showers host in, uh, Eureka in Montana. Was it Eureka? Yeah. Eureka. And, um, and they were so friendly and so helpful. And then the conversation got to guns and we were just, and we don't really have an opinion because we don't know much about guns because we don't think about them, I guess. But, then for the next two hours, there was this whole, like, all he did was talk to us about guns. It's like, huh, what? <laughs> so, yeah, it's just so foreign to us. So, like, um, so, yeah, I found that really, really interesting. It was, um, it was certainly, um, yeah, interesting. And
1: that's something, though, contrasting with what you're saying, the kindness of strangers, um I mean that's something that must seem really strange and also like how do you wrap your mind around that?
0: Yeah, exactly. Like the this is this is a couple like he's he's the mayor and she's the the local doctor and um and yeah, they're amazing people but very focused on on guns and I mean in very simple terms for us in Australia we we don't understand why people need to have guns, and and it's just and and seeing someone who you can obviously relate to in so so many ways, and then not relate to mm. in just this one way. It's like, oh, okay, right, and and people's passion about it as well. Like that that's one th- the other thing too. We, we notice that um, in America, people are so passionate about what they believe in like so passionate whether it be Mm. politics or or guns or or anything like that and 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 hunting as well and it's just like wow like and don't get me wrong I I I, more of us need to have passion about things but it was just passion about things that I'd never thought of before
1: (laughs) you know um yeah and it's it's not just passion it's becoming like identified with those things where they are a part of you and you're you know inextricable from them. I just listened to this really fantastic Oprah and Eckhart Tolle podcast that I'm going to put in the show notes. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. Um Super Soul Conversations, not like I need to send any more love Oprah's way, although all the love to Oprah. Like but you need to listen to these. I listened to Eckhart Tolle and two um with Maya angelou and just fantastic. But link in the show notes, folks. Um you have to listen to this chat with between Oprah and Eckhart Tolle um because it, it talks he talks a lot about this political climate and how uh folks are they don't they they are they our their opinions it's not just that they have yeah. an opinion it's that it is something that is now become ingrained in who we are and it's um yeah, that's a thing. That's maybe a different, longer conversation.
0: Wow. But, yeah. but it, it goes to show that it's just like we need to remember we are more than just our opinions. Like we we are so much more, so much more. And it's so easy to lose ourselves in it.
1: Yeah, there are a thousand ways to like carve the world into us and them. But it's like really all, all the gray area is like all of our commonality. And that's all the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rochelle, I want to know if you could ride, go for a bike ride with anybody in anybody living or dead anywhere in the world, who would you go on a ride with and where would you go? Wow. That's a bit of pressure, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Come up with it right now. No, just kidding. I mean, like, you, like, and it can be different, you know, tomorrow. It can just be whatever kind
0: of comes to mind. Oh, uh, do you know, do you know who, and And it may change tomorrow, but right now, so I don't know if you've come across, um, so there's this wonderful woman by the name of Amanda Batty. Yes. Um, so have you come across Amanda? Yes. We're connected
1: on the socials.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I just, so Amanda is like this pro mountain biker, um, and which is awesome. And she does a really good job there, but what she is way more than just a pro mountain biker she basically stands up for shit against humans and women specifically and women specifically in the whole um biking industry and she just stands up where so many people kind of just kind of stay quiet or um Sometimes it's easier just to not rock the boat. And to be honest, I've lived a lot of my life going it's easier not to rock the boat. But I've also now gotten to a point in my life going there's a lot of shit going on in the world. And you know what? Sometimes shit needs to be called out. Mm. And I'm still very, very early in my journey of calling out shit. And I'm not really in a position to do it publicly, Um, but – from a personal point of view, I'm slowly starting to call out shit, but I just love everything that Amanda is about and what she posts. And she'd actually posted um, yesterday something about um, over the next six weeks. So she's down in Albuquerque. Over the next six weeks, um, she's running um, free skills clinics um, in, in the in some of like these awesome desert trails and i i literally posted i'm like oh if only there wasn't the pacific ocean in the way because i would just really love to just go riding with amanda and just talk about the world and just and just soak in some of her guts Mm. and yeah multi-day bike touring with that chick would be gnarly and hilarious and world-changing and life-changing where would you go where would i go i um Somewhere in the mountains. You know what? I would – I'd be going probably – I'm thinking like Utah. So I'm thinking like desert and big rocks and just kind of exploring that kind of place, just feeling like you're a long way from everything. Um, that would be really cool. There's so much more of – the states that I want to explore and yeah I I haven't really well I haven't ridden in the desert so that would be really cool
1: mm, yeah like uh Zion and and whatnot yeah yeah so totally yeah. beautiful beautiful we have a big beautiful country here um yeah. you know it's interesting y'all just had the tour down under there and yeah you're describing um your country folk as highly intolerant of cyclists and yet the mm-hmm. government Surprised everybody by like had this big uh, women's cycling pay parody where basically they elevated the women's pay to be the same as the men, if I understand that correct. So that's that's kind of yes. surpri- were you surprised by that or tell, tell me how you reacted when you heard that?
0: Um, no, I wasn't surprised, it was like, well, finally, like right. seriously, I just like it's just one of those things. It's like, it's like freaking. I don't know if you guys have heard about our how same sex marriage, um, palaver that's been going on here for the last few years. And it's finally, and it's finally been passed as, as law. And, and you just, and it's can, not, can we say Penny Wong's name? Can we say her name? You can say Penny Wong's can name. You say <laughs> Penny
1: Wong's name. All right, good. Say her name. Thank you.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, but it's one of those things. It's like, yes, you want to celebrate it, but it's like I shouldn't be celebrating something that' so uh, yeah. obviously just should be there. <laughs> um, and and that's what it's like there with the um with the the women's pay rate for the um the two down under.
1: Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Um I mean, I thought it was fantastic. It definitely you know got a, a lot of uh, notoriety very quickly. <laughs> Um, but then, when you describe as every uh, vehicles or motorists being highly intolerant of cyclists, I was just like, "Oh, that's that's an an interesting dichotomy to have these two things have happened there." So curious.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and still because Australia is so large, um, and we're very car based here, mm-hmm. so. Um, there's very little in terms of public transport, apart from in the, the, the major cities. Um, so the roads are designed for cars, um, and there's a real culture here of um, "I have a car, I own the road." Um, and there's there's a culture. I mean, one of the going jokes, and it and it's funny. It's it's been around forever, and I still like people who I, I love and, and cherish still will randomly say this but one of the the going jokes is you might be in a car and there's a few cyclists ahead of you and it's like ah oh, um, it, there'll be a joke that goes ah oh, 10 bucks per one you can get and things like that and mm. it's and it's and you know that the people who are saying most of the people who are saying that actually would never ever do that but it's just a mindset and it's almost as if and, and it is changing and people are getting better but there's a whole, I mean it. if I ever once, if I'm ever having a really good day and I want to get angry, I'll just look at Facebook at one of those um, news events that someone said something about cyclists and road users and then you just see just the, the turdness of people of just going, they don't belong on the road and they're, they're they're, they're this and they're animals and blah 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 and I'm just like oh what is wrong with society?
1: <laughs> oh the turdness of people.
0: The turdness of people. <laughs> but there are so
1: there are so many good folks and I really I love um, that I've gotten to connect with so many folks through cycling and I love what you're what you're doing. I love how you're like helping women to you know explore themselves and explore the world and. Um, that's really fantastic. I, I'd like to know, Rochelle, like, what's just one bit of advice you would want um, a gal, maybe a gal who's been living in a bigger body, who might want to be more active, who sees things and is inspired, but is still really hesitant. She's still she doesn't know anybody and she feels afraid. what What's something you want her to know?
0: Basically, one thing that's helped me, well, one of the major things that's helped me in the past is finding like-minded people. So um, it's it's so easy to almost go, okay, there's there's no one like me. Where do I find these people? But in this day and age of Facebook, Meetup, the internet, everything, it's just kind of reaching out and putting it out there and going, okay. That is, that is my people and, and that takes a lot of guts to reach out and it takes a lot of guts to meet up with a person to go and do these kind of things. But um, I was listening to a podcast the other day um, where it was said that your dreams need to outweigh your fears. So it's basically looking and it's so easy to go – Oh but that's scary and what if that person doesn't like me or what if I'm too slow or what if what, what if what if and it's so easy for us to just go on that tangent with our brains instead of going but what if it's amazing what if it's great like you know what and and if it's not great what's the worst that can happen okay i have a shit day or it it doesn't work or i feel slow or whatever but i can get past that but there's actually way more chance of it being amazing and potentially changing your life. So weigh up those risks. Um, because yeah, it's so, it's, it's just so easy just to, to go with the negatives and forgetting about, but what if it's absolutely awesome?
1: I think that's a great place to leave it.
0: Um, Rochelle,
1: I really, I really appreciate your time and, um, coordinating the schedules to get that together uh where can folks follow up uh you and your adventures and all the cool stuff you have planned?
0: Yeah, yeah. So um me personally, I'm on Facebook. Um I do a lot of um public posts, so feel free to follow me there. Um that's just at Rochelle Olson and Rochelle is with an I, but you'll see that on the on the podcast. Um I have a website which I've just been reminded that I haven't updated in a little while, but it's (laughs) rochelleolson.com. And you can also follow me on Instagram, which is rochellerides. And finally, um, Escaping Your Comfort Zone is also all over Facebook and Instagram. So you'll find that on Facebook, Instagram as um, Escaping Your Comfort Zone. Um, and it's all pretty straightforward to find there. So yeah, that's it.
1: So cool. We're gonna link up everything, so go to the show notes.
0: All right, awesome. Awesome. Rochelle,
1: thank you so much. I'm already looking forward to talking to you again.
0: Awesome, thanks so much, Kat.
1: All right, big thanks to Rochelle. Uh, for taking the time to hang out with us. Please do make sure you check out the show notes at thejoyridepodcast.com forward slash zero three five. Lots of links there, including links to other podcasts Rochelle has been on just in case you didn't get enough because I know I want to listen to her a bunch more. While you're on the site, check out the bike love calendar. New stuff's being added. Um, Gorge Ride, June 16th. Lots of things going on. Also, sign up for the newsletter and check out how you can join the Joyride Nation for fun perks to support the show. Oh, and apologies for my botched pronunciation of Mackinac on episode 31 with Dana Kreck. It must sound like nails on a chalkboard. No hard C, kind of French, says Deb. I thank you and appreciate the correction. And, you know, friends... I also appreciate your time and your attention, as always. Remember, life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. Keep moving forward, and until next time, I hope you enjoy the ride. eagles fly.